Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 23, which is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How's it going today, Federico? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've got a lot of uh, interesting thoughts and experiments to share that have been going on in, in my mind and uh, somewhat not in my mind. I do have a trackpad here in front of me. Which... Oh, <laughs> I, I knew it. I, so you eventually caved, huh? I did, and I really mm. didn't want to, honestly. I was really trying sure, to hold out for the Magic Keyboard. Well, here's the thing. Uh, honest answer, the reason why I have a trackpad in front of me right now is because mm-hmm. part of my job is to write about apps, and lots of apps right now are updating with trackpad support. And so, you know, I, I feel like I can't do my job if I don't have a trackpad. Hey, I'll, I'll allow it. That's 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 totally fine. It's a good it's a good reason to get one. Uh, how are you finding it so far? It's been good. It's been good. I so I've only had it for a day, so not very long. And uh, overall, you know, I'm really happy with just how things work in iPadOS. I was playing around with numbers a little bit this morning, and just it's so much better working in a spreadsheet with a trackpad, especially with all the little special touches that Apple has implemented in numbers. And uh, so, yeah, it's been great. The only thing so far that I'm not 100% sold on is uh, like the, the inertia. So you can, you can turn off in settings if you want to the inertia that causes the cursor to kind of move a little bit beyond, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you stop moving your finger on the trackpad. I'm not... 100% comfortable with that yet. I think I'm going to give it more time and see if I adjust to it. Uh, right now, sometimes it feels like, oh, the cursor's getting away from me and I didn't mean for it to go that far. So I think that's something I'll get used to. But other than that, yeah, it's it's all positive. Interesting. Interesting. So the inertial setting is, you're not sure about that. Hmm. Um, do you have any favorite apps uh, in terms of the implementation of the cursor yet? Anything particular that you may want to call out that I that I didn't mention in the last episode? No, I haven't been able to use it long enough to really mm-hmm. get a feel for different apps. I I do feel like, you know, for the apps that haven't updated specifically to support the cursor, I'm I'm really looking forward to that because there's some, you know, with certain apps that use a lot of standard kind of UI kit buttons and things like that, it works fine, but there are just certain ways that you navigate the app that aren't as optimized for the cursor right now. So I'm, I'm hoping that that will change here soon. And like I said, there's lots of apps that have been updating to add cursor support. I have a lot of test flight betas for apps that will be updating soon. So uh, yeah, I'll, you know, now that I actually have the trackpad, I'll, I'll be able to try those apps as they come out. But uh, nothing that stands out right now. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to echo, I can't remember if you said it in our last episode, or maybe you talked about it on Connected, but the current multitasking system in iPadOS, which we've beat to death, so we're not going to talk about that more, yeah. but um, it does feel odd using that with the cursor. Um, mm. You know, grabbing the app icons and moving them to different parts of the screen. It does. It, it's, it feels yeah. way more natural with touch. And with, with the cursor, it's okay, but it definitely isn't, it doesn't feel quite as natural as most of the rest of Apple's implementation of the cursor throughout the system. It, it really it really does make you wish for something like a menu to operate multitasking like a context menu. 
as mm. the one that you proposed because it just it just will feel so natural like i'm looking at for example for example right now i'm using a mac um to record this episode and it's nice that i can like right click for example the uh you know I, I can click on the um actually long click i guess click and hold on the green button in the you know the stoplight controls in the upper left corner of a window and i can choose like uh, i want to tile this window to the left or i want to tile this window to the right and i and i can also like grab and there's like a bunch of different utilities that allow you to customize multitasking on the mac um and so i i guess that a menu would actually make a lot of sense if you're using a trackpad um for context so for those unaware ryan proposed this sort of different take on ipad multitasking i think it was last month uh, and we actually had a bit of a you know a concept image in the story showing how you could long press to open a context menu on 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 iPadOS and uh, choose to create a split view um, space with one app on the left and the other on the right or maybe open uh, a specific app in slide over and I think that would make a lot of sense for the Magic Trackpad. Um, something that is also worth considering is what I just mentioned that, and we actually didn't, didn't cover this the last time that we talked about multitasking on the Mac, because of the nature of the system, you can install third-party utilities that allow you to customize multitasking, like the entire experience of like, there are utilities that let you uh, resize windows and, and snap them to a specific area of the screen. Now it would be fascinating just because so many people have so many different takes on multitasking, it would be interesting to see like multitasking extensions on iPadOS. And I know that it sounds crazy and it sounds wild, but it, it would actually solve a lot of problems for all those people who say, well, I actually want multitasking to be drag and drop based. And other people saying, well, I want it to be more like the Mac. It'd be, it'd be really interesting if Apple were to say, well, you know what, let's just allow developers to create their own extensions for managing Windows and managing uh, the multitasking UI. I don't think it will ever happen, but it's sort of fun to fantasize about that. That is a fascinating idea. I, <laughs> I, I think Apple definitely needs to do their own new solution. But mm -hmm. in addition to that, yeah, they could definitely open it up. And that oh, that'd be so great. Uh, maybe. I, I, I'm not expecting multitasking changes this Me year neither. in iPadOS 14. But next yeah. year, I, I think... There should be something. And yeah, that'd be fantastic to have a developer framework as well. Okay, all that you said... Mentioned, you mentioned you have thoughts. Okay? I, I, I do, yes. So our, our topic is not cursor support. We, we talked about that last time. So what we wanted to talk about today is kind of generally the idea of iPad modularity because you wrote a, an article in the last couple of weeks that was published on Mac Stories the modular computer, and I read another article mm. on the suite setup uh, by Josh Ginter called One Week with the New 2020 iPad, Moving Back to Small. And so Josh had been using the 12.9-inch iPad Pro for a while, and now he's using the smaller iPad Pro 11-inch, and so he had some thoughts on that. And so for me, I, I read your article I uh, was thinking about, you know, all the different setups of the iPad that you talked about, tablet mode, laptop mode, kind of the desktop mode connected to an external monitor. And then I also, reading Josh's article, was thinking about the mm. strengths of the smaller iPad, which I personally have not used, at least 
in extended you know um, sessions an 11 inch ipad pro i've played around with it in an apple store but i haven't had it in my home i haven't you know done my work on it before the last time that i used a smaller ipad was i did test out the 10.5 inch ipad pro when that came out in 2017 uh, i tried that uh, as a way to replace my 12.9 inch and after a couple weeks i decided that while it did work really well and i was amazed at how much of my work i could get done on that smaller device because most of the time i'm sitting down in one spot working in kind of laptop mode with the smart keyboard attached i decided to go with the 12.9 inch instead mm. but so i've used the 10.5 a little more i really haven't used the 11 inch and given it a legitimate shot and so you know all these different articles and then also the fact that when apple announced the magic keyboard one of the distinguishing features of that and one of the things that's honestly most appealing to me i mean number one obviously that the built-in trackpad but besides that one of the details that i found really intriguing is that because of the way the ipad is attached to the magic keyboard where it's kind of floating there um based on demonstration videos that Apple has shared, it looks like you can easily grab the iPad off of the keyboard and right. take it and use it as a tablet. Which right now, with the smart keyboard folio, it's not as easy to do that. It's, it's not like it's really difficult, but it's definitely more cumbersome. It, you know, you've got to detach the whole thing. Um, all the magnets are you know, connected to the back of the iPad. Whereas with the Magic Keyboard, it seems like it's inviting you to just grab the mm. iPad and go with it, which is right, very because different. The, because the base of the device is not also held in place by magnets. It's exactly. just floating. So there's one, you know, there's one less side to detach. And the, yeah, I mean, the Smart Keyboard Folio is not, like, it's not obviously difficult to detach, but those are some snapping magnets, you know? They, they require some strength, not a lot, but I can see why it can, you know, it can be a little more, slightly more involved. Of course, it's not as, as cumbersome as, say, using like a, one of those Logitech keyboard cases where you actually need to, you know, the iPad is inside a plastic case. So that's very involved. The Smart Keyboard Folio, I can see why it could be a bit slower as a process to detach the iPad compared to the new Magic Keyboard. Then again, we don't know just how strong the magnets in the back of the Magic Keyboard attachment will be. So, I don't know. But yes, the fact that it's floating, it, it is definitely, at least visually speaking, it is more inviting to be detached. I agree with that. Right. And so all of these different things, different articles, and then seeing the Magic Keyboard and its design, it's got me rethinking the way I use my iPad. So the way that I use my 12.9-inch iPad Pro and the way I've done it for five years since the original iPad Pro came out is that I keep it in laptop mode uh, with a smart keyboard, smart keyboard folio attached to it all the time. I, I never use it as a tablet. I've also never connected it to an external display like I know you have. And so thinking about the smaller iPad and also thinking about how the iPad continues to grow more modular has me reconsidering my choice of iPad size. And so 
we just you know want to have a discussion about this, about the iPad being modular, about the smaller iPad Pro. And uh, so maybe I'll start by asking you, because I know that you have both mm. sizes. You have a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, an 11-inch iPad Pro. Are you, are you still kind of on a day-to-day basis living that multi-pad lifestyle, or are you mainly just using the 12.9 these days? Um, I think I'm, I'm using the, the 12.9 more these days. In fact, for the past week, um, I haven't used the 11-inch at all. Um, Sylvia has been using it to, you know, sort of like as a, as a drawing and sketching iPad because we have a lot of free time and she decided maybe I can, I should, you know, pick up, uh, drawing and sketching again. I, you know, I've tried multiple times to actually go with the multi, multi pad lifestyle as they call it. And I still don't think I've found the right balance between two different form factors that would work for me. Because it's because I struggle. So one one of the aspects that I really struggle to manage is keeping the same apps and the same wallpaper and the same settings across devices. It would be so much better, I think, for me if Apple had a similar system to the to TVOS, where like you can sync your home screen, your Apple TV home screen can be synced across multiple Apple TV units, and. That would help because even if I, even if I say, well, this small iPad is not going to be a work device. Eventually, you know, maybe I want to put together a quick shortcut, or maybe I want to, um, you know, I I want to save a note, to like a quick thought. And the f- the fact that I don't have the same apps that I have on my on my big iPad has always been a detrimental to the experience for me. And also, like smaller things, like having the same settings, having the same wallpaper. Uh, all those things make me almost begrudge using the second iPad because I know that it's different from the big one that I use all day. And the big one I prefer using when I'm getting work done because I I always want to have the biggest possible um, screen to manage my apps, to to have multiple apps in split view. I've tried to work with a with a small iPad with the 11-inch iPad Pro, and the difference in in app layouts in split view really is noticeable for me and i really prefer having you know the, the the biggest possible layout on the 12.9 inch ipad pro um something that i'm considering at the moment especially after actually not especially because of what john wrote on mac stories a few weeks ago is the ipad mini the ipad mini has a super portable ipad that's ideal for reading for watching youtube for playing games because even if it's small, the 11-inch iPad Pro, I don't think it's going to be as comfortable for one-handed usage as an iPad mini could be. But my main problem right now is that the iPad mini, the current one, is based on the old iPad hardware design. So it comes with a, with a Touch ID, home button, it doesn't have Face ID, it has the old you know, design with the bezels uh, to the top and the bottom of the device. And... It, I would very much prefer an iPad mini with the same display, so uh, True Tone and ProMotion, and the same design as the 11-inch iPad Pro. So imagine an, like a 7, what, what, what is it, like 7-inch seven 7-inch uh, iPad with the same industrial design of the current generation iPad Pro. 
That would be my dream. And I know there have been rumors of Apple releasing a new iPad mini this year. I think um, Mac rumors reported back in February, maybe, of a Ming-Chi-Kuo report saying that Apple was preparing an iPad mini refresh in 2020. So that's my only concern right now. Like, I could buy an iPad mini now, but if Apple refreshes the iPad mini in, I don't know, uh, six months, and it's got the that iPad Pro design, I already know that I'm going to switch to that model. So maybe I should wait. Uh, but also, I know that I'm I'm never going to use another iPad for work. So that this is like a weird situation to be in because I know that I'm always going to work on the 12.9, but the fact that both iPads do not share the same settings and the same apps and the same wallpaper also annoys me. So I really don't know how to reconcile that. Yeah, and I've never really seriously contemplated having multiple iPads. I partly because of what you just said, it's just managing all that does not sound appealing. I'd like to have kind of one device that can do whatever I need it to do. And the reason why, like I love my 12.9 inch iPad Pro, but as I think about the idea of using it as a modular device, it has not been that for me. And I don't think that it can be very well, specifically thinking about tablet mode. Um, I'm sure that some people are different and they use their 12.9-inch iPad Pro as a tablet regularly. I don't, and I don't because I think it's a bad experience. I've tried this past week to use it as a tablet. I've taken it out of my smart keyboard folio and kind of held it in bed and read on it and things like that. And I just think it's a bad tablet. I Mm. I mean, maybe if if you're drawing on it or something like that, I'm sure in certain setups it's fine. But that that original, you know, picture of Steve Jobs sitting in a lounge chair on stage introducing the iPad and that that 9.7 inch form factor was just a perfect size for that setup and a perfect size, I think, for general tablet use. And so for me, if I want to use the iPad as a tablet rather than just as a laptop, I don't know that I can do that with the larger iPad Pro. And and I know that according to your story, you do use your larger iPad Pro as a tablet. So do you find that enjoyable? Like, is does it work for you? Or I really do, actually. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't walk around holding the 12.9 in my hands. Um, but just to chill on, on, on the couch or like the the iPad in tablet mode. So naked iPad, no smart cover or smart keyboard folio. Um, just the iPad in my lap uh, as a tablet, I think it's totally fine. Uh, when I'm reading in, in bed, for example, and I have like my my knees propped up and the iPad Pro basically resting on my, on my legs, that's also fine. Um, I guess that, you know... It, there's some people who want to use an iPad in tablet mode with some degree of mobility, and I totally understand why that's not ideal because it, it's one bulky, you know, and you know the, the, the footprint, footprint of the device is just so noticeable. And I understand that, but I guess in more static positions, if you will, so uh, the iPad in my lap or the iPad, you know, basically resting against my knees if I'm reading, if I'm like sitting in bed and just reading, that's fine. Otherwise, I'm also using the iPad in tablet mode with the smart um, keyboard folio and the kickstands that I have in the smart in the back of the smart keyboard folio. So I have like kickstands for like a movie mode and a, and a touch typing mode. 
Um, but yeah, I I actually really I guess my my favorite usage is just chilling on the couch with the iPad, um, with the iPad Pro without any case. Uh, and then usually I like I hold it in landscape. So the iPad Pro less in my lap in landscape and I just you know touch the screen and manage windows and drag and drop stuff. Or uh, holding it with two hands, of course, because it's too heavy for one hand and reading stuff in portrait mode. But yeah, I, I really like it because it's like holding this giant screen. That's, <laughs> that's the point for me. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I'm, I'm glad that it works for you. For me, it's like, it, so the, the idea of it being n- not as mobile necessarily, um, I could find positions, I'm sure, kind of like you, where, where it works, but I'd like to have it work in, you know, whatever position is most comfortable for me at the time and, and different setups and, and just moving around, you know, holding it in one hand. I, I just feel like that, that big screen is just a pain when it's not, you know, sitting, uh, attached to a keyboard. And so I just don't, I I don't think it'll ever be a, a tablet for me. And, and I feel like I'm losing something of, you know, the iPads, um, appeal, in that. I mean, obviously I've been really happy just using it basically as a laptop for years, but now as the iPad is becoming more modular, as there are things like you know, proper cursor support so that you can connect it to an external display and use that external pointing device, um, I, it just has me thinking there's all these ways of using the device that I am essentially forfeiting um, or, you know, I could obviously connect my 12.9 inch to a display and it would be fine. But one thing that uh, Josh Ginner points out on the suite setup is that the aspect ratio of the 11 inch is actually a better fit for connecting to external monitors because it's, it's a wider setup rather than a more squared setup like the 12.9 inch iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't want to forfeit all that the iPad's capable of and settle for just kind of a using it as a laptop. I mean, I've done that for five years. It's been fine. I'm happy with that, but I'm just thinking about all the possibilities if I made a change. Um, so speaking of you know, external displays, uh, I said already I've never connected my iPad to one, and I know that you okay. do regularly. Yes. Have you connected your 11-inch iPad Pro to a monitor before? I don't think I've ever done it. <laughs> okay. Honestly, it's always been like uh, that iPad doesn't even have a, like a like a keyboard. It only has like this the base uh, smart folio. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever. It's possible that I like tested it once, but I've never intentionally used it with an external monitor. So yeah. I'm afraid. I mean, I I if you ask me, I could have tested it. <laughs> I can test it for you, but I've never. I have no recollection of doing that myself. Honestly. Okay. Okay. Um, so just to clarify here, your thought right now, your current plan is to uh, go with the 2020, or actually to consider the 2020 11-inch iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard and an external display, so that you can use it with the Magic Keyboard, you can use it with an, with an external display, you have a Magic Trackpad, but also if you want, you can just pick it up from the Magic Keyboard and go and use it and use it as a tablet. That is what I am thinking mm. an awful lot about. Um, I don't have an official plan yet, 
but I'm, you know, I was hoping that this conversation would help me kind of flesh out these thoughts even more because that, that just sounds like a really appealing setup to me. And Mm. obviously it falls apart if I find that the 11 inch is not great in laptop mode because I, I don't expect that my habits are going to radically change and that I'm all of a sudden, you know, going to use the iPad as a tablet most of the time. Um, what I'm thinking right now is that I could see myself using it attached to the magic keyboard as a laptop about half the time, and then maybe a quarter of the time use it as a tablet and a quarter of the time use it connected to an external display. Um, that's just kind of my initial thoughts based on how I know I like to work. And I mean, that's really appealing, but I'm not quite sure, you know, it it depends a lot on if I am still using it attached to a keyboard 50% of the time, that has to be a good experience. Like I have to be willing to sacrifice the extra screen real estate, which I'm, I'm curious to try the 11 inch because when I used the 10.5, it was, it was pretty good. Like I was surprised actually by, by how fine I was with, you know, in split screen, especially like that's like, if you're using split view, that's really where you run into, you know, feeling like you don't have enough screen space. And it was really fine in almost all cases. Um, It would have been nice to have just a little more space, but with the 11 inch, you actually do because it got wider in, you know, landscape orientation. And so I'm wondering if that little bit extra is going to make that device maybe the perfect size for me. Um, so I, I'm definitely thinking about it. I'm, uh, I don't know. It's hard because I have used this larger display for a long time, but often when I'm using it, I feel like I have more screen space than I need. That That's what I, that's what I was going for. Like what I was going to ask you, like how do you feel about using 12.9? And can you imagine working like imagine your typical work day, right? Using uh, note-taking apps and, and a text editor and, and mail and Safari. And, you know, imagine split view. Do you think you'd be fine with having a smaller display? Uh, again, outside of the, uh, of the discussion about external displays, but just using the iPad, imagine the iPad with the magic keyboard. Uh, do you think you'd be okay with a smaller split view setup? I definitely think I'd be okay. I, mm. The question for me is, you know, would I, is it worth it to get, you know, the 11 inch? Um, is it worth it to, to gain the other benefits of the 11 inch, knowing that split view would be not quite as ideal, right? It's, it's not going to be as good. I fully understand that. But I think it would be good enough for sure, because even using the 10.5 inch, it was fine. Um, I think the only thing that really bugged me if I remember right, when I was using the 10.5, and I believe, I think I read somewhere that they actually changed this at one point, but at the time, at least when I was testing it, having Safari in split view next to any other app in kind of a 50-50 split um, resulted in Safari having the, um, the compact iPhone mode where you couldn't, you know, see all the tabs at the top. Instead, you had to kind of hit the tab button and then it opened the kind of card mm-hmm. view like on yeah. the iPhone. Yeah. Um, I believe at the time that's how it worked even in 50-50 split view, 
which I really didn't like. But I think I saw somewhere that they changed that to where you could use the normal iPad view, even in 50-50. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but that was that was my biggest pain point because I regularly use Safari next to other apps, uh, especially like if I'm writing a link post to something on the web, I'll have Ulysses next to Safari. And it was a major pain not being able to have all my tabs visible right there and having to use kind of the iPad compact um, you know, way of switching through tabs as cards. But besides that, like I feel like I had enough space for what I was doing. There wasn't as much margin and and that was fine. Um yeah, I, I really think it would be I really think it'd be fine. Well as much as I cannot imagine not picture myself doing this, I think you should do it. So I don't think this is the the, the solution for me, but I think listening to you and like your preferences and your like the just the things that you prioritize, I think this setup could work for you because it sounds to me like you miss more using the iPad as a tablet than you would miss the bigger split view. But that's the main issue, right? The, 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 using multitasking on the, on the big iPad Pro. That's the main differentiating factor, I think. So it sounds to me like you would prefer using, the, like having a more versatile iPad in, in tablet mode than having the biggest possible screen at all times. I think that's like I think that's yeah. right. I yeah, I mean I it's a it's a trade-off for sure, but I think it's probably a trade I'd be willing to make. Like as I think through it more the only other situation where I think I would miss the larger display is in apps that support a three column layout on the 12.9-inch yeah, iPad mean, Pro. you can count those <laughs> on a single hand. It's true, days. but for you me, know. yeah, it really comes down to one app in particular. I mean, I use uh, Notes and Notes. Mail yeah. as yeah. as the, the most common apps that I use that support three-column layout. Um, and Notes in particular, I and we've talked about this before, I have a lot of Notes. I have come in close to 1,500 Notes right now. They're organized in a bunch of different folders and subfolders. And if I couldn't see everything on screen at once in those three columns, that would be that'd be a little annoying. Um, but I don't know. I haven't actually tried it on an eleven inch. Is maybe that's supported, even though it wasn't on the ten point five. Um, I think all of this really just leads to uh, I should probably give it a shot. Because this just turned down to be a very expensive episode. <laughs> you, I think. <laughs> oh gosh. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am so thankful for Apple's generous return policy <laughs> because <laughs> it makes trials like this much easier. Um, yeah. So I, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. Um, and you know, maybe this could be an entire episode in the future if you ever go with this setup. Um, I don't think the Magic Keyboard will be out uh, for the next... No, the next episode is still going to be April. So the Magic Keyboard, and I mean, we still don't know when it's going to come out. I think it's going to be the end of May when Apple usually gives you a month. It's never going to be, you know, the first week of the month. So, uh, yeah, I am officially encouraging you, Ryan, to do this because I think you're the right person for this. I'm not, but you are. Okay, yeah, I... We'll probably do that then. 
Um, we have some other things to talk about. But you have a but challenge to explain. I, I do. I have a challenge to explain. It was a fun one. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty oh, straightforward. So, uh, But before we do that, let me thank our sponsor for today. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your site. More importantly, when it's not, you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. Doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you're alerted, depending on the severity of an outage, and they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code ADAPT at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and use the code ADAPT to get 30% off your first invoice after a 14-day free trial. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So you gave me a challenge last episode. Mm-hmm. Can you remind our listeners what that was? I asked you to use Keynote to make a presentation and try out the new features of Keynote such as the new themes and the templates. And I guess you also tried the new cursor support, I guess, because you have Magic Trackpad now. So yeah, make a presentation. Uh, it's not something that, that we usually do at Mac Stories. We don't make presentations. So uh, there, we knew that there was a new version of Keynote out, and I was curious to know uh, just your thoughts and, and impressions about the new features and sort of how you would find Keynote in its latest version. Yeah, so I made something fun, I think. I, uh, I, I made a presentation that talks about the iPad's cursor, and I actually made this before I was able to use the cursor, so you know, I put some, some fun statements about how revolutionary it is and whatnot, kind of the, the Apple speak, <laughs> um, uh, and I did that before using it, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, it's yeah. a very good presentation. I love the first slide. <laughs> Just, I yeah. So I, the the presentation is linked in our show notes, so listeners can download it. They can run it for themselves and see what I did. Um, it's uh, what five slides or so, five or six slides, and yeah, I just kind of talked through like I was sharing with a class. You know why the iPad's cursor is great and. Uh, I mainly just had fun with different transitions and effects. Um, I I used several of the new features like you asked me to. Uh, first off, there are new templates that came in the latest version of Keynote alongside a new template gallery. So the way that you browse templates is redesigned and brand new. 
And I used one of the new templates called Bold Color, which I really liked. Um, it, it just gave you various slides of different bold background colors that is really colorful and really fun. And it's got kind of a fun um, default font. And so I went with that. The very first slide, which you referenced, um, just lists the, the title of the presentation, which is, of course, I love the iPad cursor with a heart for the for love. And the way that I did that is I used uh, the build-in effect, which is uh, called Keyboard, which is actually brand new in the latest version of Keynote. And it's a really great effect. I, I'm surprised that they didn't have something like this before. But essentially, it causes the the text to you know type in as you're watching it, and so um, I use that from the start. The great build-in animation. One of the things that I learned this time around using Keynote because I used to use Keynote fairly regularly uh, for an old job of mine, but I hadn't used it in a while. And something that they've done at some point since then in one of their updates is they've redesigned the the menu or the tool for choosing transitions and build-ins and build-outs. Hmm. It used to be just kind of a list of different words, different terms. And, you know, some of them were more or less obvious as to what they would do. But now there is this really great menu at the bottom of the screen. And uh, for those who have a podcast app that supports chapter artwork, you can look at the artwork for this chapter and you'll see at the bottom of the screen there are a variety of different um, animations and transitions that it lists out there and it shows you with great little artwork what that transition would actually do, what it would actually look like. And this is a fantastic change. I, you know, Going from the days of having to guess at what each one would do and kind of, you know, tapping on it to get that preview. Um, I didn't have to do that this time around because I got a really good sense just from seeing from the title and the artwork that's included now, I got a great sense of what it would do ahead of time. So I didn't have to waste time, you know, clicking through different transition options that I wouldn't ultimately use. I could go straight to the ones that looked like they'd be a good fit. And I, I just think that's a great change. I'm really, really happy with that. Mm. Um, overall, I mean, I, I didn't make anything too complicated. I used a variety of different transitions and um, build-ins, build-outs, but it was really fun to do. It was really simple to do. I, in the past, using Keynote, you know, I felt like I was not, not so much a novice, but certainly not an expert user, um, but I still felt uncomfortable doing much with it and things like transitions or build-ins were kind of right at the edge of "Eh, I could do it but I don't really enjoy it whereas now because of the ways that they've updated the app and made it more user-friendly I actually really enjoyed playing around with different things and and setting up all the transitions that I did and so um, I love the flexibility that's in the app and this has probably been there for a long time but because it was less approachable before, I didn't play around with it much. Um, but the flexibility with build-ins and build-outs where you can have them trigger 
you know, immediately after a transition from the previous slide. Uh, you can have them trigger after a click or um, after a different build-in. So you could say after this other build-in, you know, trigger this one. And you can set different amounts of time. So you could say after X amount of time, have this thing start. So for example, um, I have a GIF included. And I know that people will say GIF. That's fine. I, mm-hmm, I including said, me. Okay. It, I, I have a GIF in there uh, that Apple made when they announced uh, cursor support in iPadOS of pages and the cursor adapting to different elements in pages. And so I was able to set that up to start playing automatically. And then there are some bullets on that slide that kind of uh, slide in to the screen one at a time. And I was able to trigger that to start one second after the GIF started playing. And it was just all really easy. So I feel like Apple has made Keynote very user-friendly for people who aren't, you know, PowerPoint or presentation experts which is fantastic. I think one of the best things that Apple can do with iWork is make it just as powerful as things like Microsoft Office or Google Docs, but more approachable, more user-friendly. And I think they've really done that with Keynote. So I was really happy to find that. Um, There's not a whole lot else new that I used. I mean, one of the other new features, um, it's a small thing, but it's, it's important in apps like Pages is that uh, you can do drop caps in Keynote now where you've got the first letter of a line that's you know stylized in a different way, kind of like you might see in a magazine. Um, I didn't use that in Keynote because it didn't seem like it was a good fit with the slides I was doing. Uh, it's a great feature in Pages. But uh, one new thing I did use that I hadn't mentioned is the selection box. One thing that... I believe is in all three, yeah, it's in all three iWork apps now, is that you can use a Mac style selection box where if you just tap mm-hmm. anywhere on screen where there's not, you know, where you're not selecting something, tap, hold, and then drag, then you've got this selection box which can select multiple items at once and it it works like it does on a Mac. And, you know, same thing with you've got a Magic Trackpad uh, connected you can click and hold and drag and yeah it's a it's a nice change um i i obviously don't want everything from the mac to come over to the ipad but it's a it's a nice feature to have and something that people are used to doing if they're used to mm-hmm. using a mac so um really this this challenge was is fun um it's really all positive in terms of what i found both from the latest features that apple's added to keynote but also some things that they've added such as redoing the transition and build in build out menu. Um, since the last time that I spent much time with the app, I'm really happy with what they've done. The only negative that I encountered, and maybe I just missed it, but I was trying to find a way to do a color selection so that I could color match something in one of my slides. So I've got a slide that includes um, a couple pictures of the iPad Pro connected to the new Magic Keyboard. Mm -hmm. And those images, uh, like most images that Apple publishes in their press releases, they have this light gray background. And so I wanted to just change the background color of the whole slide to match the light gray so that you couldn't actually tell that these are two separate images on screen, but it would all blend together nicely. 
And I was trying throughout all the different color menus to find a color selection tool so I could select the gray color and use, go from there. And I wasn't able to find one. And so I don't think there's a color selection tool in Keynote, which is unfortunate. So I had to go with a different color. Um, not a huge deal, but a little annoying. Other than that, though, you know, all positive. I really enjoyed this challenge. So, um, yeah, did, did you have any thoughts on my presentation? What do you think? Did you run through all the different slides? Yeah, it was very fun, very nice. It's exactly what I was hoping you would create. Uh, you, I think it's it really, um, listening to you talk about the new features of, of Keynote, I think Apple is slowly but surely getting to the point where these are like uh, the iWork suit of apps. Um, I, can, I know that a bunch of people will always say, well, Office is superior and the Office apps have some you know, features that, that Apple will never implement. But I think we're, we're now at the point where these are like serious desktop class apps, you know, both pages and numbers and, and Keynote. Um, they keep getting better at a regular pace, at a regular schedule. Uh, the fact that they already have the, the, the trackpad integration is fantastic. I was really surprised to see the rectangular selection tool. Like I was not expecting at all Apple to create that kind of feature on the iPad. Um, I think the presentation is, is, is fun. The colors are great. I love the transitions and the animations. Uh, you did a good job. And I'm particularly impressed. Again, I used Keynote last time, ooh, three years ago almost, uh, I believe, um, for a presentation that I did in, in Chicago for the Release Notes conference. Uh, that was 2017, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, looking through, uh, looking through your presentation and listening to you and taking a look at the, uh, the article that we wrote on Mac stories, I think it's really remarkable just how much these tools have grown. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with your, this is ex exactly what I wanted from this challenge to learn more. It's good to know that they've done a new menu for, uh, picking the transitions and the effects and that kind of stuff. So very nice. Good job. All right. Well, thank you for giving me a fun challenge. That was nice. Yeah, I hope you will be fun with me as well <laughs> for the yeah. next challenge. We will see. It depends on how you define fun. Um, let's move on to answer some Ask Adapt questions. So listeners can write in on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Adapt, and we may answer those questions on a future episode. Also, optionally, uh, if you don't have Twitter, you can go to uh, relay.fm slash adapt, and there's an option on there to email us. So you could do that instead if you'd like. Our first question today is from Stephen, who asks, uh, any tips on working with large spreadsheet files on iOS? My day job often requires opening and analyzing large spreadsheets, and I often have to flee back to my Mac because of app-imposed limits on large files. For example, Excel has a hard limit of 10 megabytes. Um, this is a question that's been sitting in our queue for a long time, and we really didn't have an answer for it, and I don't know that we have a great answer now. Mm. I did want to note, though, that as of the latest numbers update, which has just come out in the last couple weeks, so not Excel, but numbers, you can create, edit, and view spreadsheets that have tables containing up to a million rows and a thousand columns. Which I don't know uh, what... That's a what, big spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that translates to in megabytes, um, but Apple really made a big point of one of the kind of hallmark features of the latest update to numbers 
or iPad is that it does really well with large spreadsheets. And so, Stephen, I would definitely give Numbers a try if you can. Hopefully, it will handle those large spreadsheets you have to work with really well. Um, next, Amar writes in, says, iOS and iPadOS have a bad habit of other apps hijacking the audio. So, for example, if you're listening to music, a web page with embedded audio will take over the audio and stop the music. Uh, any thoughts on this behavior and whether it needs to change? Uh, Federica, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Yes, I have many thoughts on this. Um, my main problem, and this is something that we actually discussed a lot of times on Mac Stories and App Stories and here, I believe, as well, is the fact that the audio framework of, of iOS and iPadOS, because both operating systems have the same issue, they're so much behind the, what it's possible to do on macOS. On macOS, you can actually manage all of your sound um, and audio inputs and outputs, right? You have system preferences where you can explicitly say uh, audio is coming in from this device and it's going out to this output device. Uh, so you can use things like microphones and you can decide, uh, for example, if you open something like QuickTime uh, to record something, you can say, I want to record from this input or I want to record from this other input. So you can choose. And on iOS and iPadOS, there is no way to choose inputs. Uh, sometimes you, you, know, you plug in a Lightning microphone and it works with some apps, but it doesn't work with some other apps. And there's, all, there's never like a, like a proper, you will not find the proper UI as in macOS to manage this sort of input configuration. And the same is true for outputs in the sense that, yes, there's control center um, and you can choose to, you know, I want to listen to music on my AirPods or through some AirPlay speakers, but you cannot get down to the details like you can on the Mac. On the Mac, you can install apps like um, SoundSource, for example, which is this excellent utility by Rogamiba that lets you do things like, well, all audio from Safari should always uh, go through my computer speakers, whereas all audio from music should go through my AirPlay speakers, for example. And you can do things like all audio from the web browser should be muted, should be at zero level, because I don't want, like, you know, like this question uh, asks, I don't want to listen to to audio from videos autoplaying in Safari. And so on the Mac, you can do that kind of stuff. On iOS and iPadOS, it's, it's impossible to do this. And so you end up in a situation where you're listening to music on your iPad and suddenly you open a web page and because there's autoplay and a video, which in theory should be stopped by Safari, but I think a bunch of web developers are always, you know, have figured out a way to, uh, to, to work around those, those uh, browser restrictions. Uh, suddenly your song pauses. And I run into this, for example, when I'm listening to a song and I open Twitter, and sometimes a Twitter video pauses the song, even accidentally. And so my thought on this is that um, the entire audio system of iOS and iPadOS should be redone in a way that is more similar to, to the Mac. So you can actually install utilities that let you manage multiple sources of inputs and outputs that let you do things like, I don't, I don't ever want to hear any audio from this app. Um, you know, for example, I would love it if you, if you went into settings on your iPhone or your iPad, and you know how you can scroll the settings up all the way to the bottom 
and you see your list of apps that you have installed on your device. And if you tap on each one, you can see the global settings for that specific app. So you can see notifications, you can see uh, location permissions, you can see um, whether they should use background refresh, for example. I would love sound to be part of that so that I can say never ever play any sound from Safari or never ever play any sound from Twitter, for example. Uh, so those kinds of more fine-tuned, fine-grained um, audio settings, I think it's one of the things that's really missing from iOS and iPadOS. It would also be beneficial in terms of um, you know, content creators, the, uh, you know, folks who do podcasts or want to stream on YouTube and Twitch, for example, to have more freedom, freedoms uh, around being able to plug in microphones and external USB interfaces and have an actual UI in settings where you can manage all of these connections. Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, it's something that I really, every year I hope, maybe this is the year that we actually get a sound, um, a sound prefer preferences panel in settings, like on the Mac or that maybe Apple opens up an API that allows folks like Rogamiba to make this sort of a, uh, input and output utilities for for iPad, but no, every year I'm disappointed. So uh, Amar, uh, maybe you know, maybe <laughs> iOS 14 or maybe next year. I don't know. But yes, a new system is needed. Yeah, I would love to have those options and settings, especially kind of the per app, you know, controls. Mm -hmm. Because generally, I would say that for me, the the current system works most of the time, and it does what I want most of the time. Where I like sometimes that, oh, I come across something that I want to watch while I was listening to a podcast already. You know, the podcast will pause and then it'll resume when I'm done watching that video. Like, that's nice. It it requires less work from me. But there are definitely examples where I, I hate it and I can't, you know, I can't do anything about it. So I remember, I can't remember which game it was, but I was playing some title on Apple Arcade while listening to a podcast and I could not disable the sound from that game and so it just took over the audio every time yeah. and i could not play yeah. while listening to the podcast which was awful <laughs> yeah so, yeah that'd be be nice to have um so andreas wants to know um reliable so he's looking for a reliable ocr of longer pdf documents like scientific papers and bookings uh on for iPadOS. what's the best practice um according to you guys adobe's fine scanner doesn't do doesn't do it that well for me. Um, so I am, I, I've never found myself having to OCR scientific papers and like academic stuff. Uh, but I would say because Apple does offer a native system technology, uh, it's called the, the, the Vision Framework or third-party apps to actually do uh, high-performance uh, text recognition on documents and images that you try one of the apps that actually uses these uh, modern Apple API, and I would say look into uh, Keep It. So Keep It Mobile, the iOS and iPadOS version uh, of the uh, Keep It for Mac used to be called until a few years ago Together for Mac. Now it's been relaunched, uh, I believe, uh, three years ago maybe, as Keep It. So you can find Keep It on the Mac and Keep It Mobile, it's called on the on the iPhone and iPad App Store, but don't don't be uh, don't be discouraged by the mobile uh, in the name. It's a desktop class full featured version for i iPhone and iPad. It's not a companion utility. 
And the, in fact, the iPad and iPhone version does support the Vision API to do text recognition. And I looked it up on the reinvent, reinvented software website, uh, the developers of Keep It. They do have a page all about text recognition and the different kinds of text recognition that you can do. And they mentioned that it may require some time for large documents because they need to be downloaded and analyzed uh, on device using the um, the your iPhone or iPad system on a chip and Vision API, which is really like this high performance of totally on device offline API. So it doesn't talk to any cloud whatsoever. Um, it may require some time, but it should work. And the text will be, you know, the document will be OCR'd and the text will be searchable. And in Keep It, you can actually search for text uh, and you will get the little yellow highlights uh, uh, for search results in a PDF document. So that's very nice. It's not something that all apps do. Uh, so yeah, I will look into that. I know that Keep It is based on a subscription, which not a lot of people like necessarily, but it's also... It's a, it's a very, very good app for, um, especially for like storing web pages and documents and, and this kinds of like research material offline. Yeah, I second that recommendation. Keep it is great. Um, if you want some extra options to look into, Andreas, back in episode five, we talked about OCR in a variety of apps. Uh, Federico challenged me to try out. OCR on long PDF documents. And so I did that. So we talked about a variety of apps there that you could look into if Keep It doesn't do the job. Next app is from Listener. And I, how would you say this? Cree? Cree? Yeah. Cree? Cree, I think. Cree. Cree Terry asks I have two lists in Bear one for iPad apps and one for iPad games. I like to keep these running lists of apps and games I want to check out, but I don't, but don't have funds for at the time. Uh, so basically, Cree is looking for a way to automate the process of saving these apps and games from the App Store using a shortcut. He mentions that could parse out the, that information and send it to the appropriate note in Bear. So what I would do here is make a shortcut that runs in the share sheet and check out the magic variable for the shortcut input. If you tap on that magic variable, so if you do things like um, create a shortcut, uh, open the shortcut settings, make sure that it runs in the share sheet, you want to make sure that it accepts as input App Store apps because you're going, to be you're going to be sharing an app or a game from the App Store to this shortcut running in the share sheet. Um, once you have that magic variable app store app, if you tap on it, you will see that it contains multiple parameters for an app that was passed from the app store. So things like um, the platform, the price, the whether it's a universal app or not, all that kind of stuff is exposed in shortcut. Uh, then what you can do is like um, use a choose from menu action to do different things, whether it's an app or a game. So you create a manual menu and you say choose from an app, choose whether it's an app or whether it's a game. And then really the, the core of the shortcut would be use a text action, an empty text action. M create your template. Um, Cree sent us a screenshot of a PDF version of the note that they keep in bare. So recreate your note template in a text section using the magic variables that I mentioned above. Uh, so app name, app developer, price, platform. 
store URL, all that kind of stuff, put it in the text template, and then connect that text action to the bare action in shortcuts for that is called, I believe, add to note. This action lets you append text to an existing note. So the idea would be that you have a menu, the menu lets you choose whether it's an app or a game, and then depending on your choice, you get the app that was passed from the app store and it's saved in a different note in Bear. Um, unfortunately, I believe the Bear actions in shortcuts are not based on iOS 13 parameters, which means that they will actually launch Bear because they're based on the old X callback URL um, technology. So they will not run inside shortcuts. You will have to leave shortcuts and Bear will open but your text will be saved, will be appended at the bottom of the note. So this is the, the system that I, that I would consider. Uh, share from the App Store, parse out the magic variable as an App Store app, and um, save to bear with a menu. If the share sheet system doesn't work, uh, Cree, I, what I would say is shortcuts as a search App Store action, and you can use it. Instead of sharing an app or a game from the App Store, to the shortcut via the share sheet, you can just search the App Store inside shortcuts. And if you do that, I will know that 100% the magic variable uh, for App Store app will work. Uh, so you could also search inside shortcuts. And in fact, in shortcuts, you can, you can even choose, do you want to search iPhone apps or do you want to search iPad apps? So yeah, there's a bunch of ways you could go about this, but definitely the, at the end of the shortcut, you want to have a choose from menu, text, and add to note. Or bear. All right. Well, that does it for this episode's Ask Adapt. So send in your questions, use that hashtag, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to answer those next time around. But we have one more thing we need to do before we are done for today, which okay. is assign a challenge. Mm. Um, it's, I don't know, you, you said you wanted a fun challenge. I, you, we'll see. We'll see. It, was, okay. it wasn't fun. Was it? <laughs> So I'm trying to think of the reason I'm stumbling over my words is I'm trying to think of a way to present this as though it's fun, <laughs> but that's, mm. that's maybe challenging. Okay. W- what I want us to do because. Also, this is a group activity. This is a group activity. I, mm. we haven't done a double challenge in a while. Um, in fact, we maybe have never done it where both of us do the same challenge. Oh, I, do we I, win something? Um, maybe. I don't know. Is it like a competition? I don't think it's a competition. Okay. Although we, if you want it to be, I'm a very competitive person. I, I am very competitive as well, so <laughs> that could make for a very interesting next episode. I want us, and I hope that this will not be an inconvenience to Sylvia, but I want each of us oh, no. to use the 11-inch iPad Pro for half a day to do our normal work, and then come back and talk about it. Mm. Okay. Well, I struggle to see the competitive aspect. I don't think any of us is going to win this necessarily. Yeah, let's see who gets the most work done during that time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you could, so <laughs> the way that this could be fun. I'm just going to keep my toggle timer running. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just think of the, the most fun things that you do for work and save them for that half a day of 11-inch okay. iPad use. Sure. And then it'll be a fun challenge. That's one approach. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. Remember that time when you had me uh, publish a blog post using Apple Notes? Uh, like that was that was terrible. 
So yeah. I can I can use the iPad Pro for half a day. I mean, it, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I will not love it, but that's fine. Okay. Is Sylvia going to be okay not not getting she, to sketch yeah. during that time? No, no she's going to be fine. Okay. In fact, my Logitech keyboard has a third input, uh, um, as a third, like, a pairing button. Um, I have the MX key keyboard, so the it can pair with multiple devices at the same time. And so the third uh, pairing mode is already free. So that's going to be... Mm, that's gonna be fine i guess for me to use it for half a day we'll see okay well i think we will have hopefully a lot to talk about next time around so this has been episode 23 of adapt i want to thank our sponsor for this episode pingdom from solar winds if you'd like to find the show notes for today you can go to our website relay.fm slash adapt slash 23 and follow us online. Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R, that's I-R-Y-A-N-T-L-D-R. And you'll find both of us writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.